Let me ask you to turn this evening to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I always enjoy singing with you, especially these Sunday evenings, and to hear the things on your heart through your hymn requests. Some wonderful songs of testimony tonight. I want to read from 2 Timothy 4 and beginning in verse 1, just mindful as will become evident in the closing part of our reading, but this is the last of Paul's epistles and this is the last chapter of that last epistle. So these closing words of this man so greatly used of God. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Lynn reading in verse 8. We trust again the Lord to bless the public reading of His Word. And I'll ask you again just to pause with me in a moment of prayer before we consider the Word tonight. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to sing songs of assurance and testimony, to know that we are yours. And we've read testimony of the Apostle as he knew that the closing days of his life were upon him, that he would be offered up, a martyr in his case, but looking forward to the day in which he would see his Savior. Give us grace tonight to glean from these very words, words of help to us who are not facing martyrdom. Lord, we know those of our number that are in the valley of the shadow of death. But Lord, even for the youngest of us here, those in the prime of life, words that we must hear. So grant us grace, we pray, as we consider these words. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that we read in 1 Corinthians 11, where we have that institution, and the words of institution, we quote from every Lord's Day that we come to the table. But the apostle, in giving the instruction and talking about the partaking of this element or these elements in the Lord's Supper, says that in doing this, we do show... And that word in the authorized version, S-H-E-W, we are, the word underneath it is the word proclaim. It's a preaching word. And we proclaim the Lord's death. 
But then that last phrase, until he come. That is one of the reasons that we know that this is the last chapter of redemptive history. There aren't any other chapters after this one that are in between now and the Lord's coming. Now for Israel, for the patriarchs, for the antediluvians, we can go back and there there are chapters there in this book, if you will, of the, the covenant of redemption. But these days, in between the first and the second coming, we use those words, the advent, the first advent and the second advent of Christ, are indeed the last days. And while we use that term to think about the days right before the Lord comes again, it's really a term that generally speaks of all of the time between the first advent and the second advent. Now there are last days to the last days, and I think Paul has spoken of those in the very sober opening words of this chapter. But we know that this age, this New Testament age of the church, is the last chapter until that second advent in which Christ is revealed in glory. And so there's a little bit of prophecy. There's a little bit of expectation that we engage in every time we, in this manner, through this ordinance, proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Well, I have in the last week or so been brought to this portion of Scripture from a couple different directions. I was visiting our brother Greg a few days ago and pulled from these words to fellowship and share with him. And obviously, the application of Paul knowing his death was near, the words with certain and special application to our dear brother. But they're words that apply to all of us. Because if we look at the things that Paul says here, and I'm thinking here of verse 7 and 8 in particular, he says, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. And then he speaks of there being laid up for him a crown of righteousness. We've talked a little bit in our study in Romans about heaven. We've talked a little bit about even rewards of believers and variations in punishment for the unsaved. The Lord said it would be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom than for the cities of Galilee that heard, saw, and rejected their Messiah. And so even those varying rewards for His people. But here a crown of righteousness, we would think Paul the Apostle, I mean he's a superhero among believers, he's going to get some, but he doesn't say just Paul. He says very specifically, not to me only, but to all them also that love His appearing. And in a sense, it's that last phrase I want you to have fixed in your hearts and minds tonight, loving His appearing. But Paul in many ways is paralleling that, can we say, encompassing phrase, loving His appearing, with three other phrases in verse 7. We're familiar with these, many of us. Some of us have memorized them from long ago. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And when Paul says that in response to this, in, 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 in 
Following on from this, there's laid up for me, he says, a crown of righteousness, but not to me only, but to all them also. And he doesn't say who fight the good fight, who keep the faith, who uh, run the race. He says to all those also that love his appearing. Because it's loving his appearing. It's loving him that supports us, that gives us cause to fight the fight, to run the race, to keep the faith. And so in a very real sense, those phrases that we think about when we think about Paul's death, the end of his life and ministry, they're really phrases that apply to the whole of his life in Christ. And so they're phrases that apply to us in our lives, wherever we are in those days of our life that the Lord gives. These aren't words just to think about at the end. They're words Paul's reflecting on at the end of his life that characterized all of his life as a believer. And so in this Sabbath evening when we remember the Lord's death and proclaim that death until He comes, I want to draw your attention to these phrases that should characterize our lives until He either comes or calls. So verse 7, look with me at these familiar phrases just for a moment before we come to these elements. Paul says, firstly, I fought a good fight. We see here, if we don't see anything else, that there is a part, there is an aspect of our Christian lives that is best depicted by words of conflict, words of battle, words of warfare. You look in many places in the New Testament. I mean, the closing chapter of Ephesians. Uh, We looked at that some years ago, but I just was so captivated in preparing those messages with the thought that that book that begins in the heavenlies ends in the trenches. And we see the, the armor of the believer. Because much of our Christian life and experience is a battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not out there starting wars in this earth. We're not out there trying to uh, challenge our neighbors to mortal combat. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We battle against what we see described in Scripture, and we often, I hope not thoughtlessly, but often use the phrase, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Paul is speaking here, he's putting before us that there's a part of our Christian experience, there's a part of our waiting and longing and loving the return of Christ, there's a part of our lives that is a battle. And here it's when we consider that there's opposition that comes to us from outside I think often of the words of Isaac Watts. I think the first time I noticed this part of the hymn, I was in a a society choir when I was in college. We were an interesting bunch, but it's another story. But one of the hymns that we sang and our leader had arranged for us 
had the words of Watts hymn, Is this vile world a friend to grace to lead me on to God? And the obvious answer to that question is no. Of course not. It's exactly the opposite. It puts hindrances before us constantly. And as we go on in our Christian experience, there's a very real way in which a key description of our lives in Christ is one of conflict. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. William Hendrickson points out that the construction of this verse it puts the, the, the descriptive words in front of the verbs in order to emphasize them. And we think about it, and I don't think I'll ever get over the authorized version statement of it. I fought a good fight. But he, he really says, Hendrickson suggested, that the grand fight, I fought. And the whole perspective of life in that way of being a fight, a Christian battle, Folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to put before you the startling news that everything that surrounds us, what we're confronted with day by day, what makes its way into our palms in the news or posts or whatever, and I'm not talking about the awful places you can instantly go from there. I'm just talking about normal News and life. The world and things that would take us away from Christ are everywhere. The world is trying to convince itself that it's happy. And it puts all these worldly pleasures in front of us. And we have conflict then every day. It's love for Christ that sustains us in that conflict. Willpower, determination, some preacher stirring you up, you got to quit sinning. Yeah, we can turn on the willpower, we can do those decisions and rededications for a little season. But the flesh runs out of gas. Our ability to withstand the enemy and to be victorious in that conflict, that daily conflict, Needs something more than fleshly resolve. Loving Christ's appearing. Because we love Him. I'm not talking about an excitement about eschatology and figuring we got the chart finally done right and we're going to get it multicolor printed and shown to everybody. No, it's anticipating the day when Christ is revealed who he is and the whole world sees him and nobody can deny it his glory in that day of revelation and a loving longing for that day there's power in that to do conflict to fight the good fight loving his appearing is going to help us in the battle. And then Paul says, I finished my course. Here he moves to the, the picture of athletics, of a race. 
And we consider that, and really, you're familiar with scriptures, we've seen it often and pointed it out. Paul frequently brings imagery from warfare and imagery from athletics and brings them together. Now, I know in athletics, sometimes there's opposition and there's bad guys over there. I won't get into the different shades of blue and red and all those things that we think about the bad guys and the good guys. But to be more serious, there's an aspect of sports that isn't about the opposition. It's about me. How fast did I run this hundred yards last time? You know, last time I came up this mountain, I was on my two feet when I got to the top. I'm crawling this time. You know, we're, we're trying to improve. We're trying to gain strength. We're trying to build up our stamina so we can finish. And so the focus there is not so much on the exterior opponents as it is on our interior personal needs. To build up our strength. To build up our endurance. I always look at those phrases in 1 Thessalonians where Paul talks to them about basic Christianity. Your work of faith. Your labor of love. Your patience of hope. There's an endurance in that last phrase. And here to run the race. Here's where we, without reference to, though we know they're out there, the external enemies, the internal need. And sometimes just for grace to build up endurance to face that opposition. The endurance to face our own flesh. Not to be beat down, but to recognize there's grace given for these things. Yes, in ourselves, who's sufficient? But our sufficiencies of God. I can't get to that finish line. I'm out of gas. But He can help me. He can strengthen me. And you think of that illustration the Lord gave. Which of you fathers, if your children ask bread, will you give them a stone? Sadly, in our culture, we can think of horrible examples of evil, even between parents and children. But the natural, the normal import of that illustration for any of you that are parents to consider a child who's hungry, to even have the thought of giving them a stone instead of bread is unthinkable. But he uses that picture and he says, how much more? How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? If you're running in the race and you're feeling weary and you're thinking, I can't do this, well, In many ways, that's a good place to be as a Christian. Because when you recognize you can't do it, is when you ask your Heavenly Father for His Spirit. And more than an earthly father would delight in giving bread to a hungry child, He will give 
of His Spirit to help you in this part of the journey. The part that's just you. To give you grace to run the race. And in the last phrase, Paul drops all the metaphor and he just says, I've kept the faith. I don't believe Paul here is speaking of faith or the faith as we often see it as that objective body of truth. Paul's not saying I I didn't become an apostate. I, I, I held the Westminster standards all the way to the end. I don't think that's what Paul's saying. That's true of Paul. Well, it's an anach... What is the word? Anachronistic to say that he held the Westminster standards, but... He did believe truth all the way to the end, but the point here is not objective truth. It's faithfulness. Paul's saying, obviously by the grace of God, I was, I've been faithful. I've held on to Him. In the middle of opposition, you think about some of those Arguments we were looking at this morning in Romans 3, I had never, frankly, ever thought of it in that way until I was working on that message of just, this is the kind of stuff that was meeting Paul outside the synagogues. What do you mean, Paul, when you're saying this and this and this about Jesus and that being a Jew isn't good enough? Paul kept the faith in the face of opposition. Those times when he was the only one He kept the faith. So when we read these phrases, and of course, pray by the grace of God, they'll apply to us throughout life so that we can look back and make such profession ourselves. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. What's been underneath all of those? Loving His appearing. Loving Him. Looking for that day. And tonight we proclaim His death until He come. We're looking for that day tonight. We're longing for the day that this symbolic feast ends. And the eternal heavenly feast begins. Let us, when the struggles come, tomorrow, tonight, the help we need to fight, to run, to be faithful, the love of Christ is going to sustain us in all these things. And if we struggle even with that, well, what better place to remember We love Him because He first loved us than in these emblems that remind us so vividly of His expression of love to us in giving Himself. Not while we were righteous, not while we were friends, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Here's a place, if your tank's running low 
on sensing His love for you in order to fill up your tank to have more love to Him to fight and run and be faithful. And ask the Lord tonight to remind you of His love so that the love of His appearing will sustain you in all these areas of your life. I'm going to ask you to take, if you would, the hymn supplement this evening.